a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to the extended edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you. Uh, some of you have still been asking the question, where's J-Mac? Where's J-Mac? If you didn't see, uh, J-Mac actually made an announcement this morning. Uh, J-Mac is going to run for Congress in Utah's uh, congressional race, uh, trying to get that nomination to go against uh, Representative Ben McAdams. And uh, you can check out all of that on uh, his Twitter handle and all of those places. But uh, J-Mac has left KSL and has joined the political fray, uh, his uh, focus on turning talk into action. So you can follow Jay from there. With that, I want to pivot to uh, Utah's senior senator, Mike Lee. Uh, Senator Lee, thanks for joining us on the long version of Inside Sources today. Thanks so much, Boyd. It's good to be with you. And I, I'm not going to call you J-Mac because I I know that you, you, you're not him. And we're lucky to have you. <laughs> well, we're, we're we're riding along and they, they keep letting me back in the studio every day. So it's uh, not too bad. So anyway, I know you uh, just had a vote there in Washington. Uh, I think proving once again that the best lubricant in Washington for getting things done is the jet fumes right before the uh, August recess. Uh, but this was a this was an important vote. This was a, a vote on a uh, a budget. Tell us how that uh, shook out. How'd that go down? Well, we ended up with uh, twenty eight senators voting against it. Twenty uh, three of those were Republicans. Five of them were Democrats. Um, but uh, the the Senate passed uh, a budget measure that suspends the debt ceiling for two years, increases the spending caps. And, you know, it has me concerned. I, I voted against it. Uh, uh, Senator Romney also voted against it. Uh, my, my fear, Boyd, is, is that if we can't control spending now, when the economy is at its peak level, when it's performing as well as it possibly can, then when can we? We need to start taking steps in the right direction now. And the first step is voting against bills like this one that don't meaningfully address our problem and, and quite arguably compound it. Yeah, and and really, it it has to be. Uh, even our military folks are saying, you know, our our greatest threat uh, to our national security is the debt, and we're twenty two trillion and and counting. Uh, and I can't believe that we're uh, we're looking at a two year, not just a increase in the debt. It used to be there were big battles over increasing the debt ceiling, and now we've just suspended it. <laughs> We've suspended it. That's right. A few years ago, when I first took office, and until uh, maybe two or three years ago, Congress would specify the debt 
limit amount, the amount by which it was raising the ceiling. Right. Um, and they'd say, you know, by $500 billion or a trillion dollars or whatever the number was. Uh, the way this one worked today is it just suspended the debt ceiling altogether, creating what I call a sort of a debt ceiling Mardi Gras for a two-year period. And during that time, uh, the debt can go up as, as much as uh, the government wants it to without any subsequent action by Congress. That's a little troubling. In effect, it, it'll end up lasting longer than two years, probably two and a half years, because of something called extraordinary measures, that, that mm. some uh, gimmicks that the Treasury Department is able to use in order to draw out that time a little bit longer. Yeah, wow. It's uh, That's going to continue to be a, a challenge and a continued debate there in Washington, uh, disappointing. I, I did think it was interesting uh, that uh, two of your colleagues that uh, are running for president, uh, Senator Klobuchar and Senator Bennett, uh, both made it back from Detroit uh, and actually voted with you, voted against uh, the the debt, while some of the others uh, just didn't quite make it out of Detroit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, look, I, at this point, there are only about three Democratic senators not running for president, so uh, we're, we're grateful to have them here anytime they can. I'm especially grateful that those two made it back and, and uh, joined a few of their colleagues in voting against this deal. All right, let's let's shift gears now. I want to talk about you have reintroduced uh, your HERO Act, uh, which is really focused on uh, higher education. Tell us about that bill and what you hope to get accomplished there. Yeah, thanks for asking me about that, Boyd. Too, too many people today in America feel like they have to make a bad choice between going deeply into debt on the one hand or on the other hand getting the kind of higher education experience they need in order to get a good job. It doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. So that's why I've introduced uh, my bill, the Higher Education edu- the Higher Education Reform Opportunity Act or the HERO Act. It would fix this problem by letting states set up their own accreditation systems so that new new higher education models like vocational training could benefit from federal government assistance. And it, the bill would also make higher education institutions accountable for the results they produced. If students aren't getting jobs after they graduate, then uh, the higher education institution that took their money could be on the hook for as much as 10% of the loans that the institution's uh, students took out. So e- innovation and accountability, these are key to bringing down the cost of higher education, and that's what the HERO Act is all about. Uh, and, and tell me how uh, how your colleagues are, are receiving that. I, I do think it's so critical, uh, especially when we're having uh, debates. We've watched the Democrats over the last uh, two nights talk about a lot of free things, and including higher education. Uh, but as you've rightly pointed out, there's there's two components. There's the cost of it, but then there's also this transparency and accountability of what should people expect to get out of it? Uh, how's that being received back there in D.C.? Generally pretty well. To those who pay attention, they're appreciative of the fact that someone's looking into it and trying to figure out ways that we can bring down cost. Uh, too often uh, the, in Washington, people will focus on what we can c- control most immediately. They'll focus on the interest rate pay- students are paying uh, or things like that. While those uh, drivers are all important, uh, many of them tend not to address the underlying cost or the underlying problem, which is absence of sufficient competition in order to keep prices down and quality high. And so that's why we've made some progress uh, with the HERO Act and why we continue to introduce it. We're, we're building support for it slowly but steadily. 
Okay, fantastic. If you're just joining us, we have Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee on the line with us talking budget, talking higher education. Uh, Senator, can we talk you into holding over for one more segment? Yeah, sure. Okay, we're gonna, when we come back, we're going to have uh, Senator Lee talk to us a little bit about criminal justice reform, some interesting tag team partners, and then his project in the Joint Economic Committee on Social Capital. Don't go anywhere. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday. Great to be with you. And we're going to continue our conversation with Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee. And, uh, Senator, really interesting. Uh, you've done a lot of really interesting bipartisan work um, that uh, often doesn't get a lot of headlines uh, because, of course, it's, you know, it only if it bleeds and if somebody's yelling or screaming at each other uh, does it get the national news. Uh, but you had uh, two things that you worked on, uh, one with uh, Senator Harris, Kamala Harris, on the H-1B visa program. And then I really want to dive into uh, your work with Senator Cory Booker on uh, criminal justice reform. But give us just a quick snapshot on the uh, H-1B visa component, and then let's talk criminal justice. That's a good, good point, and and yeah, I've, I've now that you mentioned, I think I've run bipartisan initiatives with basically all my Democratic Senate candidates who are running for president. Um, but yeah, the the, the H one B or the uh, the high skilled immigration bill that you're referring to, the Fairness for High Skilled Immigrants Act, is something I'm running with Senator Kamala Harris. What we're trying to do is get rid of the per country cap on immigrant visas that are employment based. Uh, you know, one of the many things that's wrong with our Elvis Presley era uh, immigration code is that we have these arbitrary per country caps in place that don't make any sense. So Senator Harris and I are trying to get rid of those. Uh, we are almost at the point of being able to get that passed. We actually believe we've got 99 senators willing to uh, let that become law. We've got uh, one senator opposing it right now. We hope to work through that blockade in the coming weeks. But uh, the American people will be better off once that thing is passed. Uh, and, and that one's so important. We actually had uh, Natalie Gochner from the Kim Gardner Foundation on yesterday talking about some of the high-tech things that are happening here in the state of Utah. Uh, and she mentioned your work on the H-1B visa program and how important that was, not just to the country as a whole, but specifically to Utah. Yeah, look, Utah benefits, um, along with the rest of the country for that matter, when we have laws in place that allow us to attract the best and the brightest from around the country. And this is a bill that would help do that. This helps create more jobs, not only for those uh, eligible to receive visas under one of these programs, but also for those who are already here. The kinds of jobs that these people are coming for tend to be self-perpetuating. They tend to generate other new jobs, and that's good for Utah. Yeah, fantastic. All right, I want to shift to uh, another bipartisan bill that you're working on now. 
primarily with uh, Senator Cory Booker, uh, who I think was the winner last night. He brought his Happy Warrior uh, game to the stage last night and I think did incredibly well. Uh, it's also included people like Dick Durbin and Pat Leahy and, and others, uh, and, and including uh, CNN uh, liberal uh, correspondent uh, Van Jones has also been a big part of this. So uh, give us a, just a, a little update on where we are and, and the impact this is having. I worked for eight years uh, on a criminal justice reform effort. Started out with uh, just me and Dick Durbin. Uh, about a year and a half later, Cory Booker came to the Senate, and I still remember the very first conversation I had with him. He told me he was interested in criminal justice reform. We started working with him. That effort culminated last year in the passage of the First Step Act, a bill that uh, significantly reforms the federal criminal sentencing uh, system and also provides incentives and programs for incarcerated federal prisoners uh, to be able to get the training and programming they need in order to reduce their likelihood of recommitting uh, criminal offenses after they're released. President Trump signed that into law in December, and we're better off as a result. Now, this is an ongoing effort. I'm still working with Senator Booker, with Senator Durbin, and uh, many others from both parties on achieving more reform. This was just a first step act, but it was a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think it uh, is so important and, and one that is really about how do we get uh, people back uh, into their communities, back into homes and families. Uh, and this is one that I know was, was really personal for you. You've been working on this for six or seven years now uh, with a lot of obstacles. Uh, even from within your own party, you had uh, a lot of obstacles here. Uh, but again, as, as you mentioned, it's first step. So what is the next step in terms of criminal justice reform? By the way, by the way uh, when you say even within my own party, that's where the opposition was the, the most strident. Mm-hmm. We knew from the outset that this was going to be a hard effort to get people involved in, but we knew that especially uh, we would have an especially steep climb with Republicans. We eventually got there, and uh, we, we got 87 votes. would have been 88, but Lindsey Graham was stuck on a plane coming back from Afghanistan and couldn't make the final vote. But, yeah, as, as to the next steps, um, I'm working with Senator Durbin, Senator Booker, and others, on on the next phase of it, uh, there's there are some provisions of that that were not made retroactive uh, that we want to make retroactive in the future. There there are other provisions that we need to get in there that will deal with the, um, the 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 required burden of proof on the part of the government to show that someone intended to engage in the criminal activity in question. And there's other legislation that we need to get passed to make sure that uh, the, the programs created by the First Step Act are adequately funded and that they actually uh, get the water to the end of the line, so to speak, so that our prisoners can benefit from them and so that our country uh, can have uh, less crime, fewer people engaging in these criminal activities. Yeah, And that really leads me to the uh, the last area I want to hit uh, with you. If you're just joining us, we have uh, Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee on the line with us. Uh, we've talked criminal justice reform, H-1B visa, uh, the budget, and your higher education uh, effort. And, and now I want to talk about something that is, is really far from the, the spotlight, uh, but maybe some of the most important work going on in the Senate. Uh, you are the chairman of the Joint Economic Committee, uh, and you have this project called the Social Capital Project. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, as the chairman of the Joint Economic Committee, which is a, a joint House-Senate committee, we've got Republicans and Democrats from the House and the Senate working on this committee. One of the things that I've done is spearheaded this effort called the Social Capital Project, which has as its objective identifying areas in which 
government programs might be tearing at the fabric of our society, They're tearing at the fabric of relationships that exist outside of government, uh, families, uh, neighborhood um, uh, cohesiveness, people's involvement with their churches, synagogues, mosques, or, or other um, religious endeavor. Um, things like that have, have begun to fray. And what we have found, Boyd, is that as social connectedness, people's connectedness to these social groups or these institutions of civil society, as as they start to fray, as they become weakened, uh, other bad things happen. And so we've been very good over time as a government in measuring um, how much revenue we're bringing in to the federal government or measuring the growth of uh, uh, gross domestic product. We are less good at measuring social capital, uh, the, the connectedness that people have to each other. And yet our, our, our culture ends up being seriously affected by these things and, and, and in turn affected by government policy. We're trying to find out what the government might be doing that might be weakening these institutions. The government can't create them, but it can weaken them. And once it destroys them, there's little we can do to pick up the pieces. We want to identify those areas where we might be weakening institutions of civil society so that we can reverse course and, and make sure that we first do no harm. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing. We've got just about a minute left, Senator, and, and uh, I think this is one of those areas we, we often hear uh, politicians or candidates running for office saying, you know, I want to I take Utah values to Washington. Uh, this social capital project is a unique opportunity for you to provide kind of a window in, window out uh, look at what's working in Utah and what might work uh, in other places across the country, how's how's that being received by your colleagues? Again, it's a House and Senate Democrat and Republican uh, committee. How's that playing? It's been received well. People are uh, eager to receive something like this that's outside the box. Uh, neither party looks at this and thinks, oh, this is uh, offensive to me. It's not ideological. And so it's been received well so far. There's a lot of work that remains to be done, and uh, we're we're enjoying every minute of it. All right. Well, Senator, I know you'll uh, get uh, out of Washington today, (laughs) and uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to catch your breath. I know you've got some uh, things happening during August around the state and appreciate your work and uh, travel back safe. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today. Thanks so much, Boyd. All right. There he goes, uh, Senator Mike Lee, uh, wrapping up uh, his work there in, in Washington. The uh, final vote uh, today was on the budget bill uh, that passed, uh, and uh, both of Utah's senators, Senator Lee and Senator Romney, voted against it. Uh, again, this is a, a big spending bill that uh, raises uh, – actually, it suspends the – the debt ceiling for two years, uh, which is just preposterous to me. I, I don't know how anyone can, with a straight face, say, "Oh yeah, if we just suspend the cap, <laughs> we won't we won't spend too much." Uh, it just doesn't work that way. And uh, so I, I applaud the senators for uh, standing their ground there and again showing a Utah model that Utah balances its budget. We live within our means. We get things done in a in an appropriate and proper way, uh, and that's uh, that's really key. All right, well, as we uh, drive towards the bottom of the hour, a couple things to look ahead to as we uh, continue on through the program today. Uh, We're going to go back to uh, Dave and Deb and their interview around the National Cathedral statement uh, that came out. Just fascinating. You don't want to go anywhere. We're going to hit that uh, coming up after the break. 
Uh, and then we'll also have uh, Jay Evenson from the Deseret News will join us talking about tariffs and trade. And then we're going to have uh, former Senator Rick Santorum, CNN analyst, is going to join us at the top of the 2 o'clock hour uh, to break down the debate and some of his analysis on CNN last night. Uh, so former Senator Rick Santorum, don't miss that. All right, we're going to step aside. This is Boyd Matheson. We'll be right back.